This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I try to give you the libertarian take on the topics during the week that have come up. And this week, Hillary basically clinched the nomination. She is the presumptive nominee for the Democrats. But Bernie is being touted as having accumulated enough power to move the Democrats to the left so that their party position on economic matters will be even further left than Hillary. And he also is regarded as having really invigorated the the younger vote. And this is a guy who's a self-described socialist. So I started wondering if the GOP would... uh, offer themselves as a contrast or pivot towards this? Did he move the center to the left or just the Democrats to the left? And I I started to think about if they were just uh, being totally cynical, just looking for votes, what they would do. And so I started looking into a little bit about the millennials and their views, what they might want, what they might vote for. And I came upon a poll that said millennials reject capitalism. So we've been talking about that, about uh, I've been hearing from a lot of millennials during we're going to continue this conversation. And in one of the conversations I had, uh, I talked to a millennial who said she was anti-corporatism, not anti-capitalism. And I think that's an important distinction because the capitalism has been distorted. So what we really have is cronyism where the governments are, I think, use their power for those who pay back. So if you can bribe your congressman, he's more likely to serve you than he is to serve voters who he can just apparently, from my observation, lie to. Anyway, but I got a call who who hung up. He hung up. I wish he didn't because uh, what he had told the screener was he wanted to address my negative comments on corporations. And I wanna I, I wanted to address this because people on the right and I consider anybody on the right people who are individualists and the left people who are collectivists. So libertarians are on the right by that definition, Republicans, that whole, you know, Tea Parties, everybody. And the reason people on the right really hesitate to criticize corporations is that it plays into the narrative of the left. But the left just lumps profit-making, corporations, everything into this philosophical basket. But really, the problem is when you use big government, which the left is in favor of, to benefit the corporations. So I'm for free markets, and I'm totally for corporations who don't benefit from getting special tax laws or special regulatory benefits or whatever. And you can see that there's a hand-in-hand relationship when you see corporations like Target and Disney trying to insert themselves into local politics, such as the bathroom gender dispute, when they start doing stuff like that, you have to wonder why. And right now in Europe is the meeting of the Bilderberg Group, which people are like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist if you even believe it exists. Well, it does exist. It's a third members of government. Lindsey Graham's there this year and two thirds members of business, a lot of banks, 
and a lot of uh, corporations like Google, the head of Google is there. I want to talk a little bit of that later if we have some time. But you know, it's a secret meeting. They're not allowed to talk about it. But their defined goals are to influence policy and the direction of countries in North America and Europe. So when government and corporations, I mean, that's the them. That is the corporate governmental continuum that... I don't like, and I don't think anybody likes libertarians or, you know, anybody anywhere. But that's really what I think is the dominant power in the world today. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Tom in Loganville. Hi, Tom. You're on with Monica. Tom. Uh, sorry. Uh, hey, yeah. Um, my, uh, my comment was about the, uh, the 1620 compact, the, uh, Plymouth Compact that was basically set up a, uh, a socialist society in, um, you know, in America. So, I mean, they, uh, they had the idea far before Bernie did. Yeah. And with such a small group, it was a logical, it was a logical attempt. They had a small group to, to try to pool the resources and everybody basically put their, you know, their earnings, whatever they grew, they put it together into a single pile and then distributed that as it was needed. But for two years, the pilgrims languished. They, they, you know, they weren't able to produce enough. It was said that the young men didn't want to, you know, participate at all because they're thinking, why should I have to support other people's children? So in 1623, government, Governor uh, Bradford basically decided to try something different. So uh, he basically divided up the land, you know, that was that was available, and, and feeded the land to the people that they had, and said, look, go crazy produce whatever you want to produce, and keep the profits. Do whatever you want to do with them. Well, within a year, um, the new world was flourishing. And what we see today as the um, Thanksgiving uh, dinner wasn't just to thank the Indians for their influence, but basically to be thankful for the plenty that they had. And that was all because of capitalism. That's a very interesting point, and I'll tell you this is what it brings out for me, that is often ignored that people who want redistribution redistribution of wealth or don't like income inequality or whatever it is they feel like there's this injustice and that people who can't contribute aren't going to get anything back that it's you know basically god's gifts are distributed (laughs) unevenly and it's a tragedy and and it's not enough but the reality is there is, it's not a, a moral judgment. Being, producing is not a moral judgment. What it is, is if you get to keep the fruits of your labor, it gets you to produce more. So if you are a young man who can produce much, much more in the fields, how do you get that guy to do it? You tell him that he's going to benefit from it. And what happens? A lot more food is produced. Even if he gets half the food, if it's if that's what's produced, everybody benefits. He should be richer, not because he's a better person or because he has more gifts from God, but because we want him to work harder. Sure. So I've I've, I've often felt that people look at it as a as a kind of judgmental thing, as a as a as a value judgment about the injustice in the world. But it's not. It's about maximizing production, which means maximizing prosperity. And I think we've come to a place in this world where between uh, technology and productivity of labor, we don't have to have want. 
we don't have you can choose how much you want to work and not everybody can have everything but these super super rich people who the people on the left look at and say it's unfair they're so rich it probably is unfair that they're so rich because in a state of nature competition would have competed away their profits other people would have entered their very lucrative fields like google uh, and you would have so many co- competitors that their profits would be next to nothing. But instead, if you put up all these barriers to competition, you get that. And I and I feel like that is not a reflection of free markets. And it is unfair. And it's what people use to justify wanting to redistribute wealth. When I would say just take away the thing that's artificially creating this tremendous wealth disparity. And you won't have that sense of injustice. So that's what when I see what's happening with the Obama administration. And I don't like to throw him under the bus because I don't think the Republicans are going to save us. But... They've actually made this cronyism worse. They've made the wealth inequality worse by increasing regulations and that kind of thing. And I I don't think that's an accident. I'm going to Stephen Canton. Hi, Steve. You're on with Monica. Yeah, hi, Monica. Uh, Just a couple of uh, quick points here. Um, The millennials, a third of the millennials still live at home. So with that said, you know, I'm a baby boomer and... Baby boomers would have eaten dirt to get out of the house. Me they would have too. Three jobs. They would have done whatever they had to do. And I'm, I'm a not. Gen Xer, and I dropped out of high school and became a waitress <laughs> and was happy living in a studio. Yeah, so you understand what I'm saying. So that it's a mindset. It's not a chop. It's a mindset that 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 they're different. So a third of them actually live at home, and 25 percent of Bernie's donations came from people that were unemployed. How is that even two, possible? <laughs> Well, that's you can thank the good old texter for that. Oh yeah, that's okay. A whole, that's a, that's a different subject. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I think that those are uh, really important points to this. And the other part of it that I it ceases to amaze me is that when you look at socialism within the United States right now, current affairs, and you look at twenty one trillion being uh, spent on the war on poverty with no real gain and and uh, less poverty and you look at Medicare and Social Security both being bankrupt, what I can't understand is where the popularity of socialism comes from when it's already failing right in front of our eyes. I don't understand. I think they think that capitalism is is what's failing, and they don't understand that it isn't free market capitalism. To me, it is absolutely true that if you have people uh, out there unfettered, to produce whatever they can think of, you're going to have prosperity. You're going to have people, everybody's going to be able to eat that. Nobody, nobody, unless you're really handicapped. I have a son with Down syndrome who is not too handicapped to produce as much as he consumes. So I don't understand why, you know, that's not what we have. And that's why people, you know, people think capitalism is failing, but we haven't, we don't have it. No, we don't, and that's that's the whole point. And what we do have is actually failing in the versions of socialism that are currently there. You now, just one quick comment yeah, too about social socialism versus uh, capitalism. That's a marketing tool. Uh, I was on a blog and I switched it from capitalism to free enterprise, and it stopped everybody dead in their tracks because the left is trained to believe that it's it's one again that's capitalism against socialism. Oh, and then when you inject free enterprise, which essentially is the same thing as capitalism, 
Austin that throws him for a loop. Yeah, I wondered if it was a linguistic thing. Uh, I do wonder about that. But I would also point people to looking at the 19th century in this country where there was more wealth equality, uh, great strides in prosperity, real wage growth, and we had we're much closer to capitalism then. This is Monica Perez. Lots of more calls after this. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Forecast for tomorrow, 93 high, partly cloudy, and a 20% chance of rain. But stay tuned to WSB for weather updates brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We have been thick into a conversation about millennials rejecting capitalism. And I've been trying to decide whether they're really rejecting capitalism or just this bastardization of capitalism that we have. Uh, taking your calls, 404-872-0750 and 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Rachel in Athens. Hi, Rachel. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Um, I, I was just calling because of the, the statement that you said. Well, actually, <laughs> um, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that all millennials reject, or a lot of millennials reject capitalism. Um, Why? I was talking about a a poll that said 53% (laughs) of millennials reject capitalism. But uh, but yes, I question if that's really true. Tell me why you think it's not true. Well, I mean, so whenever we go to school, I mean, we learn about capitalism, socialism, things like that. And any good teacher will tell you that what we have right now is not really capitalism. And... You know, I mean, a lot of teachers may be relaying that message to their students. That would be great if if you think that at public schools they're actually telling kids that this isn't real capitalism. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that my teachers, you know, highlighted whenever I was in high school. That's awesome. And maybe it's highly regional. It's possible that somebody like me who grew up in a very what they call blue state, I hate to give the Dems the blue and the Republicans the red, which is like the symbol of communism. But when I was growing up, capitalism was not distinguished from corporatism and people didn't didn't think like that. They thought that socialism was kind of the ideal. Yes. But, you know, I think, I think socialism is a very seductive idea. And, you know, like growing up in the past decade, I guess, like any, any younger person would, who would associate our government with capitalism would eject, reject capitalism. I think that's a fair statement, but I don't think it's an honest statement. And what do you think it really, what do you think we really have here you have about 30 seconds what do you think you really have here not I capitalism what well i mean like i think well i mean we had bailouts i mean that's a, a lot of government overreach yeah and actually i i i think it's closer to fascism that we have than socialism i mean we seem to have the government allowing these cronies to keep all their private profits but then bail them out so that they don't go through the destructive process of capitalism and then to keep people quiet, they have a little socialism on the bottom. Uh, really lit up the phone lines there. 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. 
Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are halfway through our conversation about capitalism and, you know, this, the young generation, the millennials. The poll I read and other things support this is that they reject, quote, capitalism. But it seems to me that they don't, I think the consensus among us all is that they don't know what capitalism is. And I have an example. And then I'm going to have some great calls. If you're on hold, I'm definitely going to get to you. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But this is an example. I had a like a substitute babysitter. My regular babysitter was on vacation last summer, and I had this girl work at least one whole full week. And I had a lot of hours for her because I have uh, a son who has Down syndrome, and he needs constant supervision. So even if I'm doing all the mothering of my other kids, this kid needs to be watched the whole time. And I have to pay you know, it's really expensive. All those hours rack up. So I was, it was Friday afternoon, I was paying her. And my daughter was drinking orange juice. And she looks at the label. And she's like, oh, mom, they put calcium in orange juice now. That is so nice of them. Because now I don't have to drink my milk. And they want me to have my calcium. And that's so sweet. And I said, well, it's not exactly nice of them. They want you to be happy so that you buy their stuff. It's the beauty of capitalism. They want you to be happy and you are happy and you buy their stuff. And so this babysitter rolls her eyes and goes, "Ugh, capitalism. Okay. The scene was hilarious because she had her hand out and I was literally peeling hundreds into her hand. This was capital that we, my husband and I, had earned through capitalism, that we needed the babysitter so we could continue to engage in capitalism. It was capital that she had earned in an arm's length transaction, completely, you know, no interference from anyone. And she is literally just disgusted by the very word capitalism. And I, I honestly, like, not to be a jerk, I just thought that her, she was so delusional. I, did, I didn't think. She would be a good babysitter for us because it, it's just, it, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, she was completely brainwashed. But obviously, she did not really understand what capitalism was. So I never did use her again, I'm sorry to say. And she wasn't a bad babysitter, but I just couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't understand her. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm going to Jesse in Kennesaw. Jesse, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Great to talk to you. Thank you for calling. What you got for me? Well, uh, an earlier caller you had mentioned, uh, you know, that a third of millennials still live at home, and I myself am a millennial. <clears throat> and I think a lot of that is because, like you said, when you when you dropped out of high school to become a waitress to support yourself, you could do that because 20 or 30 years ago you could earn a livable wage, you know. But oh, I, I made today, so much money. It was great. Right. Well, I, I think today if you're looking at the minimum wage, especially in Georgia, in the greater Atlanta area, you'd have to work something like uh, 80 hours a week. But who works, the, uh, who earns the minimum wage? I used to make, I remember, I earned, after taxes, $17 for every hour I worked back then. And it was a long time ago. Because minimum wage for that kind of output, that level, you, you're going to earn, unless that's changed. I mean, it's possible that there are just no jobs for unskilled workers that pay good money anymore, but I think there is still waitressing and construction and stuff. I think it's, I'm just disputing minimum wage as a, as a measure of what a full-time young, um, 
American educated person is likely to earn. Now, it might not be enough to pay for your college loans on some topic that didn't get you a job. Right. Anyway, you know, keep talking. Sorry. You no, know, you're exactly right. I, I like, for example, I work for a delivery uh, service. I deliver food to people, and I make well above minimum wage, and I'm 21 years old. I uh, know I would still have a hard time affording a one-bedroom apartment, um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of, of it is when, when a millennial looks to enter the workforce, uh, without a college degree, all they see are minimum wage jobs, whether it be, you know, serving food, cooking food, uh, or a lot of other industries. The, the path to unskilled labor is not as clear as it used to be, or, or the path to a trade school, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of it deals with the emphasis we put on college. And if you notice now, there's a, there's a shortage in the uh, HVAC industry, for example, because there are no, uh, no skilled laborers in that department. Yes, um, and actual capitalism would do a much better job matching people with jobs. I absolutely think that col- undiscriminative, whatever you call it, like college loans that don't discriminate based on what you're choosing as, as your t- subject, your uh, major, it, uh, is a moral hazard. It leads people astray, and then they get loans they can't repay, whereas if they got the feedback, hey, man, this major is a hobby, not a job. So you figure something else out or bring your own money or get a job. And then people right. would, would do that and they wouldn't be stuck like this. I think the millennials living at home thing, it just has to be related to the like college bubble from, from loans that don't make sense. Don't you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of it going back to the broader view of millennials on capitalism, I think the distaste that a lot of millennials have in their mouth is just from this, uh, you know, the, this, what we set them up for and what we set uh, you know, uh, us up for, which is go to college or, or you know, drop out of life, essentially, is, is almost the attitude that's given. Yeah, and then it makes the college completely valueless because, first of all, it's a hotbed of indoctrination. It actually tries to teach you to believe things that you don't know, that you can't figure out yourself. It actually tries to convince you, I think, in a lot of cases, that the world isn't as, you know, they'll never teach you what I just said about how the free market will match you better, like to your highest efficient use. So it'll, it'll bring you the most wealth possible just by helping you make the right decisions. Just and, and it'll never teach you that stuff. So it actually sets you back a little bit. And then uh, and then by creating this tremendous oversupply of people with college degrees, not technical college degrees, it makes it kind of worthless. You can't just say, well, he went, you know, maybe he's just an English major. But obviously, if he went to college, he's highly academic and we can teach him anything if it's, you know, becomes valueless. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it, it's almost as if now getting your master's degree is the equivalent of getting your, your bachelor's degree in a field. Yes. If you can't find a job after college, go back to school. I, I still have dreams about that. I went to college. I got my first job working at Citibank. I, after two years, I was in more debt than when I started that job. So I decided to go back to college and by the end of that, I was in six figures of debt when I got out. And I'm lucky that I went to Stanford, so I got the job. You know, I got I got a job. But right. it, it was touch and go. You know, I was nervous halfway through that when I saw the go past six figures. I was like, I, you know, I mean, really remember panicking in the middle of the night, being like, oh, what am I going to do? It's, it's an investment that millennials are, and, you know, people before that even, have had placed on them, um, and I don't think I don't think it's it's right as much. I think that 
if we told people, you know, you have a choice, if you, if you're really good at, you know, fixing cars, then absolutely you should, you should fix cars for a living. And better than you enjoy it. And you get the joy from it. You get the joy being a pencil pusher isn't all it's cracked up to be, but thank you. Yes. And Jesse, you said one other thing I want to address. Thank you for the call, uh, that you can't, what you can earn is not enough for an apartment. Or house, and that's another market that is highly distorted by government subsidies, by government subsidies to mortgages. And I, I don't want to take anybody's. I think it's like the only deduction I get, but I don't want to take anybody's mortgage deduction away. But the fact that the government subsidizes really its primary subsidies, in my observation, at a certain level, are school loans, health insurance, which is a financial product, not doctor's bills. And your mortgage, it creates this tremendous over-demand for housing that, or to, for uh, people can bid up the prices because these loans are subsidized by tax deductions and it, and it actually makes housing much more expensive than it otherwise would be from just my kind of back-of-the-envelope calculation. Thank you very much, Lane. In Atlanta, you are on with Monica Perez. Hey, Monica. I just love your show. Um, I wanted to say that, uh, first of all, we've just become a, a nation's nation, pretty much. And I think, and, and with capitalism, I think we've got red tape with the government bureaucracy confused with a red bow. And it's all tied up, and it keeps us tied up to where there are 39 licensing there are 39 licensing boards in Georgia. Mine is one of them. And um, I actually went and sat in on a board meeting. You wouldn't believe the new regulations that they were coming up with. The people, I mean, it was more like, I, I felt like I was in a really toxic environment. And I was not alone. I actually had someone with me, and they were like, this, this, this meeting is just, almost absurd i mean uh, let me point out lane that's an excellent excellent point i must point out that licensing and i would take it to the very highest levels i would say bank charters is where the rubber hits thrown on this, this month. you're getting permission from the government which you're paying them for oh yeah and in return they agree to limit competition in the industry yes that's what it is yes and I mean, and, and, and now that I'm, I'm having some issue, I just, I must say, if I, while I have a moment, they have got some serious plans for the, um, for the, for the licensing massage industry. They plan on coming down. I mean, just sitting in on this board meeting, I just was disgusted. Are you saying, I want to understand it, Lane, are you saying that they are going to increase the oh, requirements? Yes. And they're not going to accept some of the classes. And don't think for a minute, like this month is librarian. You have to be a license. You have to have a license <laughs> to be a librarian. That's, that's bizarre. Georgia. Why I don't the massage thing in itself is crazy because I've been doing that for twenty five years and I'm not doing I'm not in practice now because of a licensing issue because I went in for a renewal and um, and uh, you know I had to pay all of this money I mean I've gone it's, it's costing me almost two thousand dollars so here's the thing the gut the, the millennials today and I'm certainly not a millennial. <laughs> I have a son that's a millennial. And he's happy to have. A, he said, uh, since the arm, besides the army, this is he's so proud of himself. It's, he's got a nine dollar and fifty cents an hour job, um, and, and uh, working on cars. You know, at one of those 
break places or something. And he is happy as he can be because he's he's finally earned a week vacation and got some benefits. And, and I mean, he he he's like over the moon for the that nine fifty. So, but I mean, it's just it's the government. I think they think the government is capitalism. The government is not capitalism. They are just in the way. Yeah, and you're Lane. You're giving me a prime example. And I like the good examples because I know it's happening, but it's hard to really make a concrete example that you are not allowed to work. You are not being allowed to work because of this, uh, the, the government's requirements that you get permission from them, which they are hand in hand in bed with the industry to, and the goal, everybody knows the goal is to limit competition. And what does that do? It keeps you out of the business that you would love and you can make a lot less money when you're doing something you love. Trust me, I've seen that firsthand. Your son's happy to be working on cars because he loves it. And, uh, and that is creating this giant class of unemployment, and that's not capitalism. Uh, more after this, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's 92 degrees outside the studio with scattered clouds. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about uh, capitalism. Does it have a bad rap? Is it? How do we convince millennials who seem to be skeptical of what we are now calling capitalism? How do we convince them that it's in their interest? I'm going to Bob in Atlanta. Bob, you're on with Monica. Hi, Bob, uh, Monica. Thanks so much for taking my call. I love your show. Um, I wanted to. I think. I think that the younger generation have confused what capitalism is. I think you're absolutely correct. Um, but I do believe that capitalism has proven, in fact, the socialist countries uh, have, have really proven this, that, that, that capitalism, capitalism builds self-esteem uh, in, in, in forcing people to make it on their own. When you make it on your own, you're, you're much more uh, happy and, and it builds your self-esteem. There's a, there's a great book called Coming Apart. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, I would urge your callers to read it, Um, but it goes into detail on data, census data, income data, and education data, and and the the gist of the book talks about how capitalism creates self-esteem. And in in my view, uh, what schools are missing is that they need to they need to be developing the talents that God gives everyone. And helping kids when they're in seventh, eighth grade, determining what those talents are and then how best to leverage them. And if they have an interest in auto mechanics or healthcare or uh, children's needs or whatever those talents are that they have interest in, leverage those talents. I, I think I think they'll be very successful. And not everybody has to go to college. No, I agree. And the free market will give you the feedback that you need to make those right choices. But I'll also say. I actually think there has been a deliberate attack on minorities so that by encouraging welfare, destigmatizing welfare in those communities, they take away the self-esteem that capitalism brings. So think about that. Back after this, this is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.